They think it's all over. Is it now? Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. But James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 7 of F1 in Review, the episode and the hour where we look back at the first Australian Grand Prix for basically two years and look forward to round four which is in Imola which is starting on April the 22nd so there is going to be a break between the Australian Grand Prix and Imola. Thank you very much for tuning in if you're tuning in via River Radio be that live or via the listen back feature whether you're tuning in via your preferred podcast provider, your Apple, Spotify, Podfollows and the like. Thank you very much for joining myself and Tristan Fancourt for this episode where we discuss not only the Australian Grand Prix but all news coming out of Formula 1 as well as motorsport more generally you can follow both of us individually on Twitter as well as our F1 in Review Twitter page as well and we've been seeing quite a few, uh, it's quite a spike, should I say, in listeners over the last few sort of episodes and uh, weeks when we've been doing this uh, ser- series of F1 in Review and the episodes. So thank you very much for your new listener. Thank you very much if you've been listening to us for a year or two years, whether you've been here from the start, the middle, or just joined us. We very much value your time yeah, and your decision to uh, come along and listen to us ramble on about the latest happenings of Formula One. Um, so moving into a review of this Grand Prix Australia, I kind of feel, and it's a quite a bold prediction, and I realise this could bite me severely after I famously said uh, last uh, season that Ferrari would not get third place. The battle for third was over, I said, after they had a disastrous French Grand Prix where both of them uh, finished in the bottom of five, I believe, or there or thereabouts. But I think the Drivers' and Constructors' Championship is over. I think it's going to Ferrari in terms of the constructors and going to Leclerc in the form of the Drivers' Championship. Now, only three Grand Prix in. We have 20 more to go. But Leclerc and Ferrari, in my view, just seem absolutely bulletproof. Because when you consider to start with, when you see the gap between first place Ferrari and Mercedes, if we're looking at the constructors, mm. in Mercedes, should I say, they only have two-thirds of their name, not even a second. The gap is 39 points, which... Quick maths is basically one race win and a third place, roughly speaking. So that's quite a gap already, only three races in. Moving over to the drivers, however, the gap between first place to Claire and second place George Russell, who may I add got on the podium for the very first time in this Grand Prix, is wow, 34 he, points. You know, sort of, sort of gone. Well, okay. <laughs> Do, are we counting Spa last year? I mean, he stood on the podium, but I'm not sure I'd he say got the that's... Trophy. On the same level as, well, it, it ticks the regulation boxes, sure. But that's 34 points, so that's basically a race win and a fifth place, pretty much rough maths. So you may be thinking, well, that gap is closable. Indeed it is, but Mercedes haven't won a race. They don't look like winning a race on royability anytime soon. Then there's Red Bull, who look very quick, 
but often mm. don't finish a race because while Perez was second, of course, at Albert Park, serious reliability issues when you consider that Max DNF'd again, when you consider that's the third time Red Bull have done this and the fifth time that a Red Bull-powered car, if you're looking at AlphaTauri as well, as well, have not finished or started. So serious reliability issues there as well. And compare that to Charles Leclerc, who's not put a foot wrong. And the only issue that Ferrari have had is Sainz, who DNF'd on Sunday. And um, when you consider that a lot of that a lot of that came down from the fact that he was uh, unable to get his fastest qualifying lap in, owing to Alonso crashing out and causing those yellow flags. Perhaps it was always going to go downhill from there. Maybe that's me just sort of trying to fit in my own argument. I don't know. But yeah, Ferrari look pacey and reliable, fairly bulletproof. Mercedes look reliable but slow, and Red Bull look pacey but unreliable. So unless Mercedes or Red Bull, both of them, either of them, get their act together and actually get a car that's fast and reliable, I think there's only going to be one winner here, and that's Ferrari in both categories. What do you think, Tristan? Well, we're back from the land down under. Not us personally. Instead, we decided to get up at the crack of dawn to pay oh, attention did. to this race. <laughs> I have not seen 5am uh, for a very long time. And I must admit, I'm not really keen to see it again <laughs> for a while. It was too early. And yes. I, I appreciate some of you might be going, well, why'd you get up at 5am? You know, it's 6am UK time, the race. That's very true. But I needed to get up and actually, you know pay attention which means getting a coffee and things like that and immediately after the race i went back straight straight back to sleep i i I believe i fell back asleep listening to the sweet sound of mark webber uh, (laughs) when he was interviewing um so yeah i I kind of it felt like all a dream by the time that i (laughs) i I reawoke from from my uh i suppose second slumber um but yes it's it was a real bizarre weekend i think because it was full of these highs and lows and kind of magic moments. And I think to, to to begin with the overarching question, which I've seen a lot and Tom, you posed, is, is the title battle over? No, probably not, I, I would say. Mm. And I'm seeing a uh, a particular statistic trend at the moment, which is uh, that this difference between Leclerc and and Russell um isn't particularly uh dramatic and it can be undone um the Hamilton and Rosberg did it it was a very similar sort of thing there were the 34 36 points in it and then uh it ended up getting undone and remember last year as well that we had Verstappen trailblazing ahead of Hamilton mm. and then it all got undone by a couple of DNF. So no, 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 no. If you're, if you're watching this thinking, oh, well, that's it. It's all over now. We might as well pack up and just ignore the other 20 races or 19 races. Then don't because there is a long, long way to go at the moment. I might recommend that you reassess like I did the contents of your Formula One fantasy team. Uh, a link <laughs> to join our lobby is is um, in the description in case you want to do that but i got i got a mere 56 points from i wasn't much better yeah. oh my yeah. goodness what a nightmare <laughs> i seem to for the last two races i've seemed to pick 
every driver that's that's been going really well and then decided to just just not finish the race so i'm <laughs> i'm absolutely stinking at the moment um i think i think tom me and you are like last i think i'm one above you so uh yeah we're propping up the table big time yeah <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> <can't> um, <laughs> it's not going particularly well so i have to reassess that at the moment and um if you did if you are lucky enough to have put leclerc in your um f1 standings and give him your turbo driver which is why my recommendation would be now um then you'll know that he's doing really really well he's really found a pace in the car he was leading over sergio perez by about a second of the lap there was a, it's a great interview actually with helmut marco afterwards when they were talking to him about the race and helmut marco says actually checo was on par with max and he was doing really well but ferrari is just a second ahead and that's bearing in mind by the way that the ferrari car well it's not as low to the ground as the red bull is so if ferrari can lower that car down then they will get True. even more performance out of it i mean that's just crazy the, the, mm. the amount of of pace that that ferrari have managed to get and they are lacking in the straight line speed right that was one of the things that has come out um Ferrari are kind of faster in the mid slow corners and mm -hmm. Red Bull catching up again on the on the straights. But no, I, I would say it's not over. Given what we we know about the topsy turvy roller coasters of, of, of new regulations, DNFs can change everything in a heartbeat. And I would be surprised if Leclerc didn't get any. I mean, yeah. we're we're gonna go to Monaco for God's sake, and Monaco has <laughs> And Azerbaijan, right? They they are two tracks that can throw up something in a split second. We're going to go to Miami. It's going to be super fast at Miami. We have no idea what's going to happen. And may I add as well, he's crashed at Baku and Monaco. Well, that's Just that saying. was yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that. Oh, um, sorry. Check yeah. smoking gun, if you'd like. You know, I, I named up <laughs> those because Monaco last year he got pole position before uh, crashing out, and then mm. his gearbox failed, and you know. As you say, Baku uh, hasn't necessarily been kind in him either. My biggest, uh, I think, yeah, the, the biggest letdown for me was Fernando Alonso. Um, and not for any fault of his own, but his reliability issues. Because, to be honest, Tom, I think Alonso in the Alpine could have got pole on yeah. Saturday, which is annoying because I had him in my fantasy team. Yeah. <laughs> Same, I think. Yeah, I think he's my turbo driver, actually. I've got <laughs> minus 10 for him. Oh, Tom, I'd reevaluate that one if I was you. Big um, time, big time. But yeah, I think I think the Alpine um, really could have put a spanner in the works for Leclerc's weekend. And of course, it's not been plain sailing for Science. Science kind of started on a on a you know on a good footing. He was, he was, his um, free practice times were fast. We knew that the Ferrari was going to be good. Uh, during qualifying, he set the fastest lap um, going at, at one point, um, Q2, um, and really matched himself to Leclerc's pace. And then, of course, a certain Fernando Alonso decided to, well, his engine decided to lock up, as we said just then, and throw out a red flag. And what happens is, is once the red flag has been thrown, anyone who hasn't then crossed the line in time before the red flag is thrown, their lap time will be deleted. Which was a real shame because Carlos Sainz was about to cross the line as it happened and get in 
a stonking lap. Whether or not it had been pole or not is another matter. But um, And then, of course, it didn't count. And then, going into the race, he needed a steering wheel changed just before the beginning of the race. And that didn't have his settings. They started him on the hard tyre because he was um, back, of, you know, back in the pack a bit. And he just couldn't get the temperature up and binned it. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a real split weekend for Ferrari, if you'd like. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, there we saw the first sort of cracks in the armour, didn't we, of the Ferrari juggernaut at this point. But it seemed to be, once that issue happened off the start for signs, it was almost like he was trying too hard to then make up places that are very tight and uh, uh, difficult to overtake Albert Park, despite the changes I made. And he was always giving it too much, and then the problems came along. But once again, you've got to go and say... When Red Bull failed, or one of them did, a Mercedes was there, George Russell was there, got himself on the podium, Hamilton did a very good job as well. And you think to yourselves, well, if Mercedes can do this, i.e. get themselves up into third and as well fourth place, and finish a race when they're not doing as well, and a clear third, and not really competitive on royability. Imagine what they can do when they have these upgrades, which will come. I mean, it's unclear when they'll come, because, of course, we were told that by Australia they'd have new upgrades, by, you know, some dark corners of Twitter, and there's others saying, oh, by Monaco they'll have more upgrades. We don't know when they're going to come along. But if they're always there and always reliable, you've got to go and say that that is to their advantage. As George Russell was saying, he'd rather have a slower car that's more reliable than one that's quicker and uh, failing as with um, Verstappen, you can see with Verstappen now, it's starting to get to him, isn't it? The comments of, it's unacceptable, I'm focusing now on just finishing a race. You've got to think to yourself, Verstappen's a man who's easily riled and not necessarily... The the aggression he has is good when it's channeled correctly, but when it's let loose and raw, it's not always to his advantage. So when you go to uh, Imola now, which is a track which is not too dissimilar really from Albert Park or too much from Bahrain, I'd say, where there are one or two straights, but it's somewhat more of a, a street circuit than a power circuit... You may be seeing one of those sort of famous Verstappen lunges or uh, elbows out, shall we say, uh, that we saw from the last season. Yeah, it's very, very true. And as you say, the, the, it's we often say that it's all about consistency and this sport is about consistency. I just wanted to pick up, actually. Uh, do you think the changes to Albert Park on reflection helped the, the racing? Do you think it was an improvement? If you um, if you watch the race, you might have looked at the number of DRS zones and gone, hold on a minute. Those chaps <laughs> F1 in review said that it was going to be four DRS zones. Um, it's only three. They decided like 15 minutes before free practice two to change it to three DRS zones. They quoted safety features or and safety reasons, but I'm not really sure why, to be honest. The whole point was they got rid of the chicane to turn nine, turn ten to allow this fast sweeping um, another corner with this DRS zone. But mm. putting, putting that aside, whether or not you agree with that, what do you think, Tom? Did you, would you say that this was an improved Albert Park? Was this a boring Australian Grand Prix? What, what, what do you think about Australia now that it's not the, the start of the season? 
Well, it wasn't worth a two-year wait, really. Um, I've got to say that Grand Prix. It was decent, but I don't think Albert Park is necessarily one for the history books when it comes to the circuits, and indeed this Grand Prix wasn't either. I thought it was quite bizarre, really. Yes, you say removing that DRS zone at the last moment. The only thing I can think of, the reason they went to do that, is because of the uh, collision that happened between Latifi and Stroll uh, back in qualifying. But it did sort of sit a bit weird with me, them having a DRS zone on a sweeping corner type thing because I always thought to myself well they're meant to be for straights the channel straight line speed and doing it on the on the kilt shall we say on a curve is never going to be a great idea but I suppose doing it last minute was just trying to cover all bases and um, moving forwards just trying to make sure that you know there wasn't going to be a huge prang as we saw perhaps the beginnings of between Stroll and Latifi which I suppose we'll get on to later I mean it was fine I wouldn't say this is a Albert Park on steroids. This isn't Albert Park plus 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 plus. It was good, but I wouldn't I wouldn't really be able to tell you a massive difference between the old one and the new one, aside from whether I was looking at a comparison between the two, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would I would sort of agree with that. And I wouldn't say it was a boring race, actually. I, I personally didn't find it too boring. And trust me, I, if I was going to fall asleep in a race, that would have been the optimum time to do it. Very little sleep by that point. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it managed to keep me awake, which was nice. And sorry, while just while I've got it in my mind, um, I have huge respect to anyone out there around the world, as for some reason people around the world do listen to us. Um, so if you are in the... Uh, the other side of the world and you on a regular basis get up to watch these races at silly clock in the morning then i have great respect for your commitment to the sport because that is something i apparently cannot do um <laughs> so yeah it was but it was it was it was fascinating to to see the how these changes you know helped a little bit the racing we mm. were certainly seeing cars being uh closer we saw lewis hamilton um being overtaken by Perez, by Perez driving around the outside of him. Yes, yes. Um, which was great to see because usually when you're when you're following, you might not be able to do that. Um, and we had some some good overtakes. Uh, we kind of still had a DRS train with at one point Lance Stroll was holding up half the uh, half the paddock as it as it seemed. Um, but I, they were able to get past. Lando Norris was able to get past, and we had overtaking going on. Um, mm. But no, I wouldn't say that the changes made a huge, huge amount of difference. I would say that was all really down to the cars. I think it yeah, was. Yeah. I think my problem is lots of these changes occurred due to the regulations for the last set of cars, and so they. I wouldn't say they weren't necessary. I just don't necessarily know what they added to the track, which is an interesting. Um, sort of thing to to see i think that the drivers certainly found it more difficult to keep the cars on the track we had a lot of people hurtling off we had just you know comes to mind sebastian vettel went off the track kevin magnuson went off the track carlos science you know went off the track mm-hmm. the it seems like the cars themselves are actually dictating the difficulty of the track rather than the layout at the moment so i don't know whether or not i want to call it superfluous what they did to the 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 track but it was it's certainly a a change um and yeah i think perhaps actually getting rid of that fourth drs zone was a bit of a mistake i think that the fourth one was quite good i i as i say you know i i i think the the track's 
no safer yeah. without it there was plenty of accidents and, and crashes going on thanks to the driver's uh own ability or even just add, adding lance stroll to the track that seems <laughs> to do sorry uh seems to do it um we now have a document saying that uh lance stroll has no situational awareness but we'll come back to that i'm sure later <laughs> on so yeah the australian grand prix i think my biggest takeaway is it certainly helped a bit by the hype that is the first race of the season yeah but i think it held its own i I would say if you were said tris can you rate it i would sort of put it as a as a b plus plus a minus depending on not whether it rains i would say it would probably be a track that i prefer in the wet simply because those it, it kind of mitigates the outright pace advantage that someone like ferrari would have um at the moment so you know the rain is the great equalizer which means we'd had a bit more of a fight at the front and i think that's yeah. what was missing this race and this is why perhaps fans might be slightly disappointed um because there wasn't that much of a fight at the front but i think it was altogether a pretty pretty good race and I think you've got to consider as well, we're, we're judging Australia on the relativity compared to Saudi Arabia and Bahrain, which were two smashing Grand Prix in yeah. terms of the spectacle that it had, the drama it had, the overtaking opportunities it had. So it was perhaps unfair for any of us to go into that Grand Prix expecting it to be on the same level because they're completely different tracks. You know, Saudi Arabia being an out-and-out power circuit, Bahrain always, it seems, throwing up some great races. And some great overtakes and just you know drama really, and add with that the well as well that we had the two year break between the last Australian Grand Prix and this one, and the change in the calendar as we say, perhaps that cocktail was always going to have our expectations higher than they perhaps should have been. But I thought it's a fine Grand Prix. I'll admit I did fall asleep for a couple of laps, but um, <laughs> but I went, that wasn't necessarily due to boredom. I must add that was largely due to the fact that it was on at such an earlier time for a man watching it in the UK. But I thought it was fine. That it was just, I suppose, a a sobering Grand Prix so far that we have to realise that we're not going to get Saudi Arabia and or Bahrain every weekend in terms of quality and spectacle. I'd say. Yeah, no, that's um, that's a pretty fair evaluation. So I, I think just because we are three races in now, yes. we are starting to approach a position where we can start to make more educated guesses on the outcome of the season before this i think what we are doing is is certainly taking a very small sample size of of laps and races and trying to extrapolate that out um and so i i kind of wanted to do our own version heavily inspired by what i've been seeing on social media and i think (laughs) f1's own version of a hot or not tom for 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 our listeners (laughs) out there um i will give tom a driver driver's name and he will say whether or not he thinks they're hot or they're not hot and also explain a little bit of the reasoning behind it i don't know whether or not tom you want to also give a sort of a rating system we can come sort of get to a, a rating system as well maybe we'll sure. say that uh, so if i was going to say uh but mylander uh we would say <laughs> a plus very yes. hot driver currently the fastest aston martin driver there is always um, keeps on the track you know yeah yeah absolutely fantastic driver massive respect for that particular gentleman mm-hmm. um mm. but before we go into the f1 drivers 
I wanted to draw your attention to another driver that unfortunately has got into, should we say, the headlines, Tom, for yes. all the wrong reasons. Uh, in fact, he's probably ruined their career because um, uh, Mr. Artem Severikin, I think I pronounced that correctly, although I don't care if yeah. I didn't, um, decided to do the Nazi salute on the yeah. podium of the of the FIA 2022 Karting European Championship. Which, well, I mean, tell you what, he he probably holds the record for ruining his career in one foul swoop. This particular driver is a Russian driver competing under the Italian flag, which means he's done a massive disservice to our um, Italian friends out there. Mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I wonder really, what 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 goes through someone's head to to do something like that? Ward Racing, by the way, who um, he represents has said that they're deeply shamed by his behavior and, and are cutting ties with them as as we as we speak i just yeah. i i just don't understand how detached you have to be from reality to to act so inappropriately and i you know i i don't think we're going to miss him to be honest tom on the on the world, on the world stage so yeah good way to ruin yeah. your career just there Absolutely, and fair play to Ward Racing for making the decision to terminate him almost immediately after it happened, it seems. First of all, absolutely the wrong time to do it for you know someone who's done so well in this, uh, this, this race of karting. And with the situation as well going on in the world for a Russian driver to do that, that only adds fuel to the fire, I'd say, of you know untrusting and nasty feelings towards people who come from Russia. Uh, when you're doing a gesture like that, and under yeah. the Italian flag as well, once again you're alienating a near tiring country, a country there, and em- emphasising or putting emphasis on the darker times of its history, and it's just deeply unnecessary. I don't think we should say too much more than that because I don't really want to give them the time of day, but it's just a really, really bitter taste in the mouth for for motorsport really and fair play to all those involved for taking the action they have because it shouldn't be tolerated hasn't been tolerated and hopefully we won't see something similar like this again in any type of sport absolutely not and moving to the f1 uh driver standings mr charles leclerc we've given him a little bit of airtime actually haven't we so far so I'm, i'm sure this one won't take as long but tom where would you put our number one at the moment I think it's got to be Charles Leclerc, isn't it, really? He's come from a car and come, in, come from a season where he was doing fine with Ferrari and Ferrari were fine enough to get third. He would occasionally get uh, Q, uh, P1 in qualifying and do okay in that regard, but then he would sink back, owing larger to the quality of the car. But this season, he seems almost like a world champion elect, the sort of calm composure he has when he's battling against Verstappen, be it in Bahrain or Saudi Arabia. And as well that he's always up there, isn't he? He hardly puts a foot wrong. He's seemingly bulletproof, one would argue. I think it's hard to argue that he's not the best driver currently because, as I say, every decision he makes goes right. And when you consider that he's not been involved in these champ- these type of battles or championships in Formula 1 in many years, it's um, you know a high quality because many a time we see people like Verstappen, for example, need a few years to bed themselves in to a title battle uh, scenario or um, situation they find themselves in. But 
you can see now why Ferrari put so much money behind him, so much trust in him from early days. He only had one year with uh, Sauber, I believe, before he's bumped up. He smashed all the records and uh, preconceptions we may have had when he was against Vettel by blowing him out of the water. And you thought, oh, okay, he's a he's a hot property. Obviously, he's he's very good. But now he's exceeding expectations again, and I. I remember we made a few episodes ago the comparison between Leclerc and Verstappen of being Verstappen being generational versus Leclerc as box office. I'd put them as being absolutely level at the moment. I'd say that both are the best drivers we currently have of the current crop. I'd add Russell into that as well and uh, Norris not too far behind. But Leclerc seems to be the real deal and I think it's hard as I say it's hard to say he's not the best at the moment. So we're we're giving him what an, uh, an A plus plus, yeah, of, sort of thing. I give him a nine or a ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Fine. That's that's coherent. So A plus plus slash nine or ten, depending on uh, what you want. Your to metric. That's the kind of this kind of your the quality content you can expect uh, if you listen to F one in review. <laughs> and I would agree with that. I think um your your assessment that at the moment he certainly is holding his own, helped massively by the engineers who have given him. A great car. I'm a bit worried about the porpoising, though. Um, actually, mm. was one of the things that sort of came to mind was the injuries that can get caused by a sustained sort of a, well impacts. Boxing and martial arts and things like that can cause it. Um, and so I'm a bit worried about their their the impact that this porpoising is going to have on their necks and and heads. Actually. Um, it and you know that you should be concerned, and you might think, well, it's only for an, an hour and a bit on a Sunday. But if you if you actually add all the hours up, well, you have three free practices of an hour, so it's three hours, and then you have qualifying and then a race. You know, we are talking about a good amount of time for sustained damage. I mean. <laughs> Think about mm. how you you can get RSI from just using your mouse too much. Well, you know that's not you're yeah, not doing yeah. two hundred miles an hour. So I'm a little bit worried actually about the um, the sustained damage that they might get on their necks. So I think that's something to wa- watch out. And actually, when we were watching the Australian Grand Prix, did you see how much Leclerc's head was bouncing? It's just yeah, the porpoising was really noticeable this Grand Prix, wasn't it? For I, I well, both Ferraris, but definitely him. How can they spot anything? Their eyes must be, you know, <laughs> vibrating. So, yeah, a a plus plus ten out of ten really for Leclerc at the moment. So with seventy one points, but then we have this massive gap, nearly you know fifty percent um, down to in second place. And I can't believe I'm really saying this, George yeah. Russell, which is not where I would have pictured him. Um, going into this season i i had him pegged for sort of well third or fourth place at um you know and that's where i'd say he probably would be maybe fifth yeah but at the moment we're we're you know gonna go to imola which will be our fourth race he's got 37 points in that mercedes i mean firstly is the mercedes deserve to be there in in that second place with george russell and is george russell gonna hold on do you think he is good enough to hold on well, I'd say, as I said earlier, on more ability, the Mercedes doesn't deserve to be second in the Drivers' Championship, or indeed in the Constructors. But you've got to say to George Russell, he's done a smashing job so far. He's obviously had prior experience with 
a Mercedes car, but um, in spite of that, he's done a very good job, and I say fourth, fifth, and third is probably half of the course, if not above for this Mercedes car. I'd say a third is almost like a first, really, when you consider the other cars that are around him. Needless to say, two Ferraris, but also the Red Bulls as well. I think he's done a very good job. I can't imagine he'll stay in second place for the entirety of this season and end it there. After we leave Abu Dhabi, I'll be immensely surprised owing to the fact that Sergio Perez seems to be uh, on a roll, shall we say. He was in third place before that uh, power failure in Bahrain, then a fourth and second. Did a sterling job, as we say, overtaking Hamilton once again in Australia. When you consider he's got the better kit and can seemingly uh, finish the race with it, I would back him to beat George Russell. I'd once again put Verstappen in that class as well. He is obviously a better driver than George Russell. I don't think I'm sort of breaking any rules or smashing their sort of conventions by saying that. Um, but um, but yes, if the reliability issues solve themselves, if Red Bull can get their act together, I'd say he goes above Russell. But he is beating Hamilton. He's beating Hamilton by, you'd say, a, a fair amount, really, when you consider that... Um, well, I mean, look at the last race. He was... Uh, very much ahead of Lewis Hamilton, not only in terms of position, but pace as well. And you consider that, um, well, Hamilton's got 10th being his lowest place, and then George Russell with 5th. That's quite sizable, isn't it? And in terms of points, well, I'll make that, what is that, 9 points? Which is not yeah. earth-shattering, but that's well, big. Three points a race on average. That's big for someone who's just come into a team versus arguably one of the best drivers in Formula 1 history in his pomp in a Mercedes car. I mean, that's not to be scoffed at. I'd say, in terms of rating then, I give him a 9, A. You give an A? Yeah. An A's probably, oh, yeah, at the moment, I would, but he he didn't do very well in Saudi Arabia, did he? True. He, he qualified behind people like Valtteri Bottas. So, I don't know, I feel like, the jury's still out a bit on, on George Russell. He's certainly been able to capitalise on the opportunities. And during the race, his race engineer came on to him and said, prioritise your your tyres rather than your track position. To which George Russell said, I, that's not what I want to hear. And and so I think that tells you a bit about where, where Mercedes' mind is at the moment, actually. Yeah, definitely. I mean... 10 out of 10 for his ambition and for what he wants to do. But I think, yeah, when it comes to George Russell, the only sort of minor points I'd have for him or the sort of minuses, I guess, is that he seems to like talking a lot. He seems to be very much down for the mind game battles between uh, Red Bull and even Ferrari as well, which you'd expect from someone like Lewis Hamilton, from a seasoned uh, driver of the sport, from someone who solidified themselves with what they've done. But when you've got comments of stuff like, tell Lewis to speed up and those effing Red Bulls getting in the way and oh, it doesn't matter how fast your car is if you don't make it to the end. I mean, he's not wrong at that point, but I'd just rather him just let his racing do the talking because it's all looking pretty now, isn't it? But he looks a bit of a fool, doesn't he? When we remember he had that horrible crash with Bottas, made those comments like, oh yeah, is he trying to kill us or something? It was definitely his fault. Then had to go come back, you know, cap in hand, tail between his legs and go, well, sorry, sorry. So I'd say, well, it's hardly a minus point, is it really? Because you judge by your racing versus what you say. But um, I don't know. Is that 
that part of his character I can't warm to too much at the moment. But that may just be me. This isn't because he did anything to a school. It, no, it's, it really, no, it really is. Listeners out there don't realise Tom and George went to school together. For, for one year, I must um, say. For one year. <laughs> see, in primary school. Did something to Tom makes you against poor Georgie boy. Don't worry. Um, there's, there's, there's nothing that sort of comes from the dark realms of my nine or eight year old mind. So don't worry about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, you have a point. But I wouldn't say he says anything more uh, out there than Max Verstappen, Lando Norris. Um, yeah, I, I would say that to some extent they, a lot of a lot of the drivers have. You have to be very, should we say, self-promoting, and when there is an opportunity to showboat a bit, then sometimes you've just got to do that. If you'd like, uh, when when on the Formula One games, you have that choice between showmanship or sportsmanship, and George Russell has has kind of done the sportsmanship thing for a bit, and now it's his moment. He's he's shifting across to the uh, the sportsmanship um, side of him leaving, and now the showmanship. The here is George Russell in a Mercedes. It's my time to demonstrate that I am able to compete with Sir Lewis Hamilton. And it looks like George and Lewis actually have a really good relationship at the moment. Yeah. Hopefully that, that yeah. stays. Um, but George's main competitor, therefore, will no longer be his, his teammate. And actually, therefore, it's all about promoting the team, how good the team is. And and in fairness to him, I can't criticise the comment that there's no point having a fast car if it breaks down all the time. I mean, look at Alpine. Yeah. It's exactly what I said last last week. Yeah, I said I think Alpine isn't going to do as well because their car keeps breaking. <laughs> well, Al- Alonso was on a, a you know a pole position esque lap and his engine locked up. Max Verstappen had in Saudi Arabia not enough fuel, and in this race, far too much fuel. The fuel you know ended up catching on fire. So. I, I can't I can't criticize that too much. In fact, during the press conference, um, uh, Paul, uh, Russell said that the Aston Martin safety car is about five seconds a lap slower oh, yeah. than the um, Mercedes uh, GT. I think it's the black edition, which is in fairness designed for the track. And I don't know why Aston Martin, while on it, keep bringing the. I think it's the V8 Vantage. It is the V8 Vantage that they bring around the track. Because it, it seems like it's the wrong one. They have a they have the Valkyrie, which was kind of co-designed between them and Red Bull as a as a sort of a hyper car. Um, I've actually seen it in Goodwood. Um, it, it sounds incredible. It looks out of this world. I don't know why they don't use that. They keep using the the V8 Vantage, which in fairness is is kind of a you know. A GT Coupe. It's not really a track car, mm. so I don't know. Um, so <laughs> actually, uh, to to um, in response to the comments on the slowness of the Aston Martin V8 Vantage. Um, although if Aston Martin do want to give one away, I won't say no. <laughs> um, I think Charles Leclerc said the Ferrari would also be pretty fast. Which, yes. in fairness, they've got their you know, you know super leggera, uh, super light cars, which they could chuck round. So that you have to capitalize on options on, on moments like that to both promote the team, because you'll make the team you know, you know team feel good if if you say well we might not be the fastest you know that'll make the team feel sad and then you say 
but we're really reliable and able to get those second and third places when it matters and then well that kind of hits home really doesn't it it hits home to the everyone else it goes oh yeah actually now i think about it we can't actually finish a race that's pretty embarrassing so yeah george russell i would say i agree with you tom definitely shall we i i would say i'm gonna give him an A as well. I yes. think A would be nice. He's certainly in the hot category. Yes. We've got a hot Leclerc, a hot Russell. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, Tom, just underneath George Russell is, I think, the person that I would say is most likely to get second position in the long run. Yeah. Not to influence your comments at all. <laughs> a Mr. Carlos Sainz, who mm. has certainly experienced a roller coaster of emotions in the last three races and definitely some highs and lows what what do we say about Carlos Sainz I'd say before this Australian Grand Prix I put him up there as being the second best driver as I think he was in the drivers championship funnily enough but he's been yeah really keeping Leclerc honest and proving why he deserves to be in Ferrari and not just a wingman or a number two driver but someone who can lead the fight and uh, do it on his own I think, as I say earlier, the Australian Grand Prix showed the first cracks in his armour and Ferrari's armour by his eagerness to make amends for a poor start. But in spite of that, you've still got to say he's done a very good job. He's ahead of Perez, ahead of Verstappen, ahead of Lewis Hamilton, which you'd have said to me, if you'd have said that to me earlier, or indeed before the season began, that he would be ahead of all three of those drivers, I would have laughed you out of here. So he's done a very good job. Um, I suppose now the real... I suppose, judgment in terms of how well he's doing in the longer term is how he bounces back at Imola. An Italian track, of course, where Ferrari have to do well and there can't be any room for mistakes, I think. But yes, I'd give him, if we're giving, if I gave Russell a 9 slash A, I've got to give him, I've got to give him the same, really. I'd give him an A or a 9 out of 10, yeah. Pretty fitting to where he is. Look, he certainly had some bad luck. Yeah, 100%. This weekend. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame because I, I hear I, I've been hearing his interviews. I, I feel sad because certainly we like happy science. Yeah, we we like happy science, and he's done a lot for for Ferrari actually beyond what he's been doing on the track because he has been instrumental in bringing back sponsorships such as Santander mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Ferrari, and also he has played that wingman role quite nicely for Leclerc and holding that second place for example in Bahrain you know it's it's exactly what Ferrari needs he kind of got screwed over a bit actually by the Ferrari strategists not that they've been doing a particularly bad job but I I think it was a real mistake chucking him on the hard tyre which put him on the back foot to begin with because he got a slow start to the race he he kind of just went backwards a bit actually Mm, yeah, yeah and then because he's behind traffic and he can't really get up to speed, just difficult to get those tyres hot and sticky. Part of the reason why Hamilton was, was overtaken by um, by Checo was because Perez could drive around the outside of him whilst Hamilton was warming up his tyres. And so imagine you had to start your, t- your, your race on those tyres. It was just going to put Carlos in a, in a poor position. At, through no fault of his own, it wasn't his fault that Alonso's engine decided mm. to uh, um, to lock up on him, and so yeah, I feel like from the start to finish, everything sort of didn't go his way, and I I feel like well, we actually know that if Ferrari had started him um, 
on the on the mediums then through the safety cars and whatnot he would have actually been able to come into play or, or um and get in you know he would, he would be okay actually so i i do think to some extent he was kind of yeah his his opportunity to do well was taken out of his hands yes so i'm not going to hold that against him but yeah he's i don't know it, yeah he's being consistent i'm, I'm gonna at the moment because I've had to take Carlos Sainz out of my Formula <laughs> One fantasy team, I'm sorry, Miss. I'm sorry, Sainz. You, you've had to come out just for a bit, just for a bit. I'm just trying a slightly different strategy. Uh, I'm trying to go for averages now, see if I can average high points because um, my old strategy wasn't working. I think I'm going to have to give you an A minus, okay. A minus at the moment. Come back to me in a few races time. I want Sainz to do really well. I'm a, I'm a big Sainz fan. Mm-hmm. I really am, and. And um, I think the last time Angus and I were split on which Ferrari was uh, driver was going to take pole, Angus said it was going to be Leclerc because he got there first. And so I had to have uh, science because I can't just copy what my co-presenter says. Otherwise, that'd be no fun. So, yeah, I, I was I was wrong on that one. But I like to say that I was also going to pick Leclerc. So to, combined, we were right. <laughs> so it's we were right when um, one of us gets it right. Absolutely. So, yeah, science um, A minus. I would say A minus. Nice. Um, but going from the the Spaniard to uh, Mr. Mexico himself, Sergio Perez. I'm not sure anyone's called him Mr. Mexico, but let's, no, we'll first see time if we I've heard that trending. one. <laughs> well, we'll see if we get it trending. We have we have a lot more listeners now. Apparently, we you know what we say matters. We can turn so, the tide um, on Twitter, uh, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, Mr. Mexico himself, um, Captain Mexico, Checo Perez. Um, what? He's only seven points behind Russell. He's only three points behind Sainz in the Red Bull. It's interesting to see him leading from Verstappen. He's he's in sixth place with 25 points. Perez at the moment is, well, he's in my F1 fantasy team. So I think that tells you all you think, you know, we need to know, you know, um, about him from my perspective. I just, I think he's doing good. I have to agree. I can see definitely why he's in your fantasy team. He's had a smashing season so far. And you've got to think that the only reason he hasn't won a, a race or two races is really through to no fault of his own. Of course, then you had the the failure in uh, Bahrain of the power unit there. And when he qualified um, a P1 for Saudi Arabia, and then um, in terms of strategy, got duped by the Ferraris. And then with the second place in Australia, you've got to go and say that he's doing everything right. He's just been let down, unfortunately, by uh, things that aren't necessarily in his uh, control. So I would say he's probably had one of the best seasons out of anyone, really, because I think a lot of this comes down to our... Uh, predictions or perceptions or what we think is going to happen um, where they stand before the season to how they stand now is how we judge them and I never thought I'd see Sergio Perez above uh, Max Verstappen I never thought I'd see him out qualify Max Verstappen and to see him second there of his own volition and to always be up there with his teammate Verstappen and to take over the reins when his car's conked out on two occasions really is really really good to see I think Perez and Sainz are Drivers you want to see do well in Formula 1 because they've had to go and grind it out through the lower teams and prove their worth. And while they've got money behind them, of course, 
they're not necessarily uh, as, as thought of as highly as, let's say, Leclerc and Verstappen, nor do they have the sponsorship akin to them. So to see those two drivers do really well is quite heartwarming, really, and particularly to see Perez do so well after a mixed bag of a season, shall we say, for the 2021 season. I concluded by saying he was good in patches, but rather disappointing in others. And he's really turned that around and become Mr. Consistent. He's definitely the second driver that Red Bull have always wanted, and now he's here. It's just a shame that their number one driver isn't joining the party owing to uh, factors that aren't necessarily in their control either. But um, I have to say, I would give him... I'd give him an A, definitely. Yeah, an A or an A+. plus. I don't know. You've switched from your numbering system to A+. Plus. <laughs> or, um, or 8 or a 9 so, then, sure. <laughs> yeah, so 8 slash 9. That's fair enough. And yeah, definitely still very much in the in the hot category. I mean, Perez, I think, is, has, is now matching... Verstappen in terms of his quality mm. and I was concerned I was concerned about his his qualifying pace certainly was a little bit up for debate about how how good it would be I think that's fair to say right yeah, because yeah. he he looked like he was doing well in in the races but he just wasn't getting those one hit wonder laps but something changed I would say <laughs> in yeah, something changed in Saudi Arabia when he set that fantastic pole lap beating out Leclerc's Ferrari and then just dictating the first half of that race until we had the unfortunate safety car. And again, you know, Perez Perez is not doing too badly in qualifying when we went to Australia. He was certainly he was unfortunate actually at the get-go. Because Perez actually got a better start than Verstappen and Verstappen moved to the left-hand side and sort of cut him off. So he had to slam on the brakes and then mm-hmm. Hamilton got past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that that's just unfortunate. And actually, at least we didn't have an accident because that would have been far worse. But I think Perez is, is definitely now picking up the, the gauntlet um, and, and bringing the fight to Max, which is what we need. We need that. We need basically both Red Bulls uh, to, to be up there because for, for far too long when it was Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon you had Max kind of dominating it from the Red Bull side but if he went out that was it there was no more points for Red Bull to have so Perez has now proven his ability to take control when things aren't going right for Red Bull and even when we were at Bahrain, it was Max's car who went out first and that put in Perez in second place. And Perez, you know, was, was defending nicely. Mm-hmm. He probably would have gone on to take the podium or, or, you know, in second place maybe. And unfortunately, his car decided he it too didn't want to finish the race, which is really unfortunate. But we're seeing great moves from Perez. His overtake on Hamilton was wonderful to watch. Yes, He was yes a second down from Leclerc but he was matching you know Max's time Marco you know Dr Helmut Marco who is kind of a weird character in Formula 1 and not featured so much on Drive to Survive so if you if you are new to the sport and you fancy going down a, a rabbit hole mm-hmm. just take a look at Dr Helmut Marco he he's basically responsible for the driver program for Red Bull especially the younger driver program he is he has been responsible for scouting some fantastic talent over the years but is also ruthless but he he is on Checo's side now he's on Perez's side 
And that's exactly what Perez needs because you don't want to have that fear of, of being cut up for the up for the chop. And we were considering actually thinking about it in at the end sort of twenty twenty one, mid twenty twenty one, you know, I was I was saying, well, is this up for Perez now? Is it mm. is is he also gonna fall into the issue mm-hmm. of being removed from the team, just like poor Alex Albon and Gasly were before him. But he he's really picked himself up. He's brought the fight for Red Bull when they can. Yeah, absolutely. I rate him higher at the moment than I do Carlos Sainz. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. well, I, I do. I think I think Perez is doing a better job at the moment than Carlos Sainz. And only only three races in, we will come back to this, you know, in in a few races time. I'm sure um, to re-rate them and reassess their their positioning. But I would give him um, a solid A at the moment i think he's doing really really well in their red bull nice but you know certainly on his side has been the good car yeah underneath him however in the in the current standings is someone who i didn't think would be there and that's lewis hamilton mm. hard one to assess you know and, and at the moment i would say and this is probably the last one we're going to get to um in in uh, this episode, but what what how is Hamilton doing? Is it is it right that he's in fifth place? It's one of those. If you look at the entire package from the outside, and you've not been watching Formula One too much, you go, "That's it. Hamilton's lost it. He's obviously not the racer he was <laughs> from the last season. He's old. He needs exactly. to leave the sport. <laughs> he's fallen off the cliff. It's happened that one moment, and it's gone. The talent's gone." Um, but then I suppose when you look at the huge regulation changes that have taken place from this season compared to last, and when you consider that he's in a vastly inferior car to what he was in, it's unfair to say he's lost it. But then again, when you consider that he's being beaten by Russell, somewhat convincingly really, when you consider how well he's been doing, both in qualifying and uh, in the race as well, Hamilton has been having quite an average season, and granted that's by his own sort of high standards, we expect him to be in the top three every weekend, uh, regardless of what kit he has, because he's Lewis Hamilton, he's won the World Championship seven times, but hmm, being out in Q1 in Saudi Arabia, finishing 10th there, not really being at the party in Australia in terms of, I don't know, really challenging any of the cars in front of him, and similar in Bahrain as well. You've got to go and say a lot of that is due to the car, but when you consider that his new teammate is doing better than him, you can't look at Lewis Hamilton at the moment and say he's having a good season. He's doing fine. He's in a situation now where, as I say, he's picking up good points in Bahrain in Australia where you have to say, really, if we're being honest with ourselves, he didn't deserve those results on pace alone in those two races, but he's got them. So he's in a good position, and he's both Max Verstappen as well. Granted, of course, Max hasn't finished all the races that Lewis has. But he's fifth. He's within touching distance of Russell. He's not out of the party, but is Lewis Hamilton. You expect a bit more than that, don't you? So he's he's doing okay. He's doing okay. It's a solid enough start. But I'd say, if I was writing a school report, I'd say, you know, work to be done. Work to be done. But I think the thing is... You got Russell in in second, and Hamilton in fifth, and there is only nine points between them. But that, you know, that's, as I said earlier, that's three points on average per per race so far. Mm. 
and I don't know whether or not it's just the the slightly poor package, and I'm assuming it is because, look, not to beat around the bush, but Lewis Hamilton is a once in a generation driver. He is, yeah, and I know I, I Leclerc and sort of Verstappen are kind of once in a generation as well for you know their generation. Um, Hamilton knows how to drive a car yeah, and so yeah. often we say don't you know a bad a bad worksman blames their tools but i would suspect that it's the car underneath him that's failing to perform and mercedes aren't bringing any upgrades at the moment they've said that there's no point bringing upgrades at the moment because it's not going to put them in a position where they're going to be you know massively advantaged so yeah Hamilton is is an interesting one one to watch I think as we go into the next couple of of races because I think as those upgrades come for Hamilton he'll be able to I I hope exploit the car a little bit more hopefully they'll be able to up the power of the engine I think they have been upping the power a little bit Ferrari certainly have upped the power um, for this race Um, even though they can't make massive changes to the engines that they they can you know adjust the power amounts and and things like that so there is more to come from mercedes so i definitely think there's more to to come out of it i I therefore would match him to where we put russell i would suspect he is in your level nine um and and my sort of a a rating well he's only he's only nine points behind yeah i think i'd i'd give him a seven I think he's been fine, but nothing more than that. But then, then again, then again, I rate him so highly. Meanwhile, Russell, I didn't expect too much, so therefore, perhaps that changes my perception and therefore ratings. I don't know, but yeah, that's what my that, gut then says. That's a really interesting. Yeah, it's a really interesting comment. Maybe we do just expect far too much mm. from Sir Lewis Hamilton, but uh, you know, as he knows, you can't be a world champion well forever. No. But then again, you can't be world champion by fluke as well. So, you know, I, I dismiss this whole entire argument that he's he's lost it, quote unquote, because you can't yeah. be fifth in the championship ahead of, you know, rising talents like, I'd say, Norris and Ocon, who's been very solid indeed through luck alone. You know, and they've both got very solid cars underneath them, Ocon and Norris. So I'd say, you know, he's still got it, but the equipment is letting him down. And I said the same as well. I realise we're shortly out of time, but for Verstappen as yeah. well. He's, you know, he hasn't lost it, but the kit is once again just not doing the job for him, which is such a shame to see because, to use a sort of loose Star Wars quote, he was our only hope for a, a title battle between <laughs> Leclerc and Orsini, uh, it, it seemed, yeah. after the second round anyway. So um, well, he, yeah. we, we hope he can get back to his best, as with Hamilton, really. Yeah, and we'll come back to this um, going forward into, into our, in the next episodes to find out... Um, and assess the in the other ones uh, other drivers as well as we as we go down the list i think that was you know we're, we're still firmly in the hot category at the moment mm. but we'd love to hear your thoughts as well whether or not you thought the australian grand prix was a success whether or not it's a failure whether or not you think a driver or not is is um, being maybe misunderstood and it's better maybe you're really backing lance stroll <laughs> perhaps you think that charles leclerc is a little bit overrated and it's only the kit underneath him we'd love to hear your thoughts and you can find tom and myself on twitter if you want to tweet at us or the official at f1 in review as well if you fancy following us there check out the latest um in in what we're we're doing you can we usually tweet out when we have a new episode mm-hmm. to hear our thoughts um as well on things as the weekends go on 
Absolutely, and while episode 7 of F1 Review is ending, there is, as I say, a week's gap between the Australian Grand Prix and the Imola Grand Prix, so we'll be looking back at uh, how well McLaren did, how well one Williams driver did, and how poorly Aston Martin have been doing so far. There's been many different drivers in the seats for uh, for that car, but um, yes, no different results, shall we say, in terms of points of performance. And that pretty much ends this episode of F1 in Review. Thank you very much for tuning in, whether you're listening live on River Radio or listening back on the listen back feature or whether you're listening via your preferred podcast provider your Spotify all of those as you say follow us all on Twitter and we'll be back for next week to carry on with our hot or not table along with looking forward to the Imola Grand Prix this being round four as well as all the big and latest news in terms of Formula One of the biggest talking points that no doubt will arise until we speak next time but until next time thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week